Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. On the murderous sands of Normandy, they push against the gates of Fortress Europe. One shot to get the invasion right, and the decision was made by men who didn't even hold a gun. Thank you for joining us for Everything Under the Sun, the AccuWeather podcast. I'm your host, meteorologist Regina Miller, and this week we are remembering D-Day. 75 years ago it occurred, and veterans who survived that battle remember how important the weather was to their mission. Listen to a few memories shared by veterans who fought that day. Weather like that, you can't move fast. The day that we were supposed to go, it was terrible. The waves were terrible. The weather in England was very unpredictable. You got two days of operational weather, and he said, that's it. Aviation radio man Ray Pigram took off just after midnight with the first load of paratroopers on board. The first one was very scattered because of the weather, but the next drops, we could do a better job putting them down. It was better, but it was, it was, it was still cold and it was still rough. Lawrence Hoffman was one of over 150,000 troops to land that day and whose life also depended on that forecast. The weather, <laughs> weather is, was the, the most, that I remember. It cleared up, we, we went in, we came ashore. We were winning and we were going to continue to win. So it's an experience I'll never forget. And we truly appreciate their bravery. It was June 6, 1944, World War II. Western Europe was under Nazi control and the Allied forces stormed the beaches in Normandy, France. So I'm joined now in the studio by Andy Robb, my uh, producer and senior meteorologist and one half of the Daily Weather Insider podcast, Evan Myers, and our historian at large here. So thank you for joining me, Evan. Happy to be here. Yeah, it's and it's great to get a perspective of how weather impacted them. You know, what I know of... Uh, the storming of the beach of Normandy is what I learned from watching Steven Spielberg's um, Saving, Saving Pri Private Ryan, which kind of gave you a pretty good picture of what that must have looked like when it was happening. You know, I didn't realize that this was called later the beginning of the end of the war in Europe. That's true. There's another great movie called The Longest Day that was made in the early six, 1960s. It's also just about uh, that one day. Uh, a lot of great stars in that movie as well. Might be something to check out in addition to Saving Private Ryan, both great movies. The Allied forces had invaded uh, Italy uh, in 1943 through uh, Sicily and then onto uh, the, the, main, uh, the main part of the continent. The advance up the Italian, uh, the, well, the Italian peninsula was very, very slow and, and difficult. The Italian army had surrendered uh, pretty quickly, but uh, the Nazi uh, German forces had uh, moved southward to take up the positions, and it was they set up one line after another. And uh, in fact, uh, by the time uh, the war ended, in uh, in with the victory VE Day, victory in Europe Day in May of uh, 1945, 
the Italian campaign was still bogged down through just north of Rome. It had taken a long time, two years, and it was moving very slowly. The Allies had uh, promised to uh, invade uh, Europe, uh, in Western Europe, uh, to the to the Russians to the, to the Soviet Union they had made the promise to they the had Russians? made the they had made the promise okay. uh, the Russian the, the Soviet Union and, and England and France and and the United States what was left of France and the United States were allies at that time and uh, the Russians had been bearing the brunt of the uh, of the German onslaught as the Germans had invaded the Soviet Union and pushed inland quite a bit some some of the the biggest battles in, in world history occurred. Uh, at uh, Stalingrad and uh, right at the gates of Moscow and Leningrad, St. Petersburg today. And uh, so uh, the, the Russians needed a second front open. And the Allies really needed to open a second front to take pressure off, off, the, uh, off the Russians. So that was the scene that was set. In fact, uh, uh, the hope was to do it earlier uh, in 1943, but uh, it was just it was too early. It was too soon. Uh, uh, the The British Army had been battered. Uh, they just weren't prepared. For they, they, well, they, well, they were uh, they were stranded on, initially on the beaches uh, at uh, at Dunkirk and all had to be evacuated. And uh, one of the greatest evacuations, one of the greatest moves that uh, also occurred in world history to get uh, most of the British and a lot of the French forces off that beach uh, in 1940. Uh, but uh, it wasn't until uh, there was a buildup of several million U.S. troops uh, in, in, in Great Britain uh, before they had the wherewithal uh, to uh, come back across the channel and invade. And there had been several head fakes that the, uh, that the Allies had done to try to fake the Germans out. The Germans did not think that the Allies were going to invade in Normandy, they thought they were going to invade further up the coast, where they're at the Pas de Calais, which was much, much uh, closer uh, to to England. It was only uh, uh, it was it was a much shorter distance between across the Channel between England and France. So and they that, thought that would be irrational. They, they just kind of assumed that would be the easiest invasion. They did, and uh, because the 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 seas were more open to Normandy. And so, therefore, uh, more likely to be churned up by weather. And it just didn't seem like the logical place. And that's where the Allies chose to invade. So, obviously, the weather uh, would come to play an important factor because it was across more open sea, even though it was still the channel. It was more open to the Atlantic. And uh, the, uh, that area of, uh, that, uh, of Europe... Uh, is not unlike the Pacific Northwest of the United States. Okay. Uh, open to storms constantly, uh, and it's in fact f- farther north than there. Open to storms, and uh, just counts constant pounding. So they needed the uh, by the weather. So they needed to find the right window, and uh, they needed to find the right timing. Uh, the The idea was uh, at a full moon, so they could be able to see better. Mm-hmm. So the tides would be lower, so they could see German defenses better. And uh, if they were not able to go in early June, uh, they would have to wait uh, at least two weeks, if not a couple of months. And they were concerned that if they went any later, uh, that uh, when the winter struck, they would get bogged down and wouldn't be able to make as much progress toward Germany as they might if they got started earlier. But if they went, got started any earlier... Uh, then they would be even more likely to be battered by storms. Uh, there's, the storms would be on the decline as they went through the summer. So it was almost uh, 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 the, the, 
almost the perfect time that they had it from a calendar standpoint, but then the weather was the issue. Right, and you know, I was kind of looking at some of the potential weather risk as I was researching this, and and I saw that first off the you know the fickle weather in the English Channel, you know, it, it, it like you said the Pacific Northwest, but that high winds and rough seas could because those landing crafts they were not real seaworthy. I mean, right. they they launched out of. Big ships. That's where they were launched out of big ships. They did not, the, the small craft, which were pretty small, um, did not come across the channel. They were in big ships, and then uh, the soldiers loaded into them and, 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 and went. Uh, it's kind of interesting. The soldiers have been sitting on ships uh, in harbors, uh, the, the initial invasion force in Britain, for several days, and it was very stormy. So they were all seasick. Oh, and and really? then it got That's even terrible. worse. Uh, the last day or so, and uh, it, certainly uh, no one was was happy to come charging across the beach, but some folks were happy to get out of those boats right. because they were pretty sick. The impact of them coming on there, so they're already seasick, and they're coming in those small boats if the, if the surf had been any rougher, then they could have just capsized, but those first crews that came out really sacrificed themselves uh they were well the casual the casualty rate in the first uh wave or so was extremely high because they were open to uh all kinds of fire from from the german troops that were in in several places operated under high ground they were coming ashore where there were bluffs where the uh the beach was low and uh also where they were right up against uh, some sand dunes where the, uh, the the Germans were actually shooting down on them, so it was really it was really tough. You know, the the interesting thing about all of this is that the weather was uh, important, but the weather forecast the weather forecast was actually even more important than the weather from this standpoint. Obviously, they had to go at the right time uh, from a weather uh, standpoint. They had to go right time from uh, astronomically from the moon and so on. But they had to make sure it was the right time, and that's where weather forecasting came in. But we, there, were, there were no satellites circulating right. the globe that was able to take a look at it. Uh, there were some weather ships uh, that were able to provide uh, information. But mostly, uh, the weather forecasters had to rely uh, on uh, weather the, the reports from downstream, from places like uh, Newfoundland and uh, Labrador and places like that and, and, and the Canadian Maritimes and then some ships at sea. But the communication is not like it is today. Mm -hmm. And we had no sophisticated computer models that would uh, tell us what the atmosphere might look like in the future. It was uh, based kind of on what's happening now, uh, seeing how that would translate downstream. Now, we know today that uh, weather doesn't just move and does, uh, it stays the same and then just move along. It, it, it ebbs and flows. It changes. It, it morphs into it other evolves, things. Right. It evolves into different patterns. So uh, they had to take that into account as best they could. So leading up to uh, D-Day, D-Day was not supposed to be June 6th. Right, I saw that. It was that. supposed <laughs> to be June 5th. That was D-Day. And it's interesting because on the morning of June 4th in England, it dawned bright and nice. But by afternoon, it had turned stormy. And the reports that, uh, that were, were coming in uh, were that, uh, in fact, uh, Operation Overlord, which was the, uh, the, 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 name the, the, the name of the whole invasion, yeah. uh, was uh, somewhat in doubt because it just turned stormier and stormier. And they were looking for a break. They just needed 
12 to 18 hour break to get the craft across and to get most of the uh, most of the troops onto the beaches. And they needed air support as well. And they needed air support. So they needed to see. But they were more interested in the the condition of the water. Okay. So group captain James Stagg, who was the British uh, the top meteorological officer for the officer for the British indicated that he thought, in fact, on all the reports they were getting out of Canada, was that there would be a break uh, between 12 and 24 hours centered on June 6th. Uh, He was head of the British meteorological uh, forecasters. The American forecasters didn't think there would, in fact, be a break. And so Dwight Eisenhower, the Supreme Allied commander, listened to all of this, and uh, based on his trust of uh, the inform- weather information he had gotten in previous months and so on, he went with the idea that, in fact, there would be a law. So the invasion was postponed one day because it couldn't happen that day anyway, and they were, were going to go on the 6th. And the 6th didn't dawn very nice either. It wasn't quite as stormy as the evening of the 4th and the 5th, but it was still somewhat choppy, and it was th- in that those waters that they launched. Uh, in fact, uh, Eisenhower was concerned that it might all go wrong. Right. Uh, he had written a letter saying that he he alone was responsible for picking when the invasion was going to occur, and if there was any failure, he alone would take the blame. Uh, he never had to send that letter because, as we know, uh, yep. 75 years later, yes. mm-hmm. it was successful. But the weather did calm down somewhat as time went on, during that day and allowed more and more troops to be landed. And for the first couple hours, it was it was touch and go. As you said, the casualty rate was high. The folks that the, the troops that were uh, that, that were landing uh, were pinned down for a while. And it took several hours to get up off the beach. Once they were able to do that, as you can see in those movies, which yes. are fairly realistic, they were able to start to move inland and get supplied. So uh, if they had gone the day earlier, it might have been a disaster if they had waited another few days and the uh, they really couldn't have. And it's interesting because of the fact of uh, the moon wouldn't be uh, and the tides wouldn't be the way they needed it. Two weeks later, if they had waited to two weeks later, there was a ter- terrible storm that, in fact, uh, wrecked some of the uh, uh, temporary ports that had been built. Uh, there were these uh, ports that were called uh, Mulberry Docks that were put together in, in England, uh, huge concrete structures that were actually towed across and, uh, and, and put uh, right at Normandy because they hadn't captured any ports yet. Right, and so, so they had to it come up with their own. Like, they wow. kind of had to rig their own ports. They did, and so they did that. They put that together, and one of the there were two main areas. One of them sunk in the storm two weeks later on June 19th, 1944, oh. because it was so stormy and bad. So it, it was the, the perfect time to do it, and it was based on the trust that Eisenhower had in his weather forecasters that he said, go, go, we're going to go at this time. And they did it, and it all worked out. Well, and I thought it was interesting because I, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, that the, the general uh, for the Germans actually was so secure in the fact, because the Germans had the wrong impression of what the weather was going to be. They did. And they were so secure in the fact that nothing's going to happen here 
until late June at the earliest, that he had gone home from Paris with shoes for his wife that he bought. Yeah, this, uh, the, the German commander Erwin Rommel, mm-hmm. uh, Desert Fox fame, uh, North Africa, the Africa Corps and so on, was in charge of the defenses. And he had purchased a pair of shoes in Paris for his wife. And he went back to Germany for a few days uh, to give them sh- and just spend time at home because the weather was going to be so bad. It didn't think there was any way this was going to happen. So the Germans were, in fact, caught by surprise. Now, you mentioned air cover. Uh, Air cover wasn't very good for uh, anyone because it was fairly cloudy. And uh, the Allies did at that by that point have superior air power, but they weren't able to use it that much because it was it was fairly cloudy. But the Germans, in fact, didn't believe that uh, it was going to happen, A, because of the weather. And B, they didn't think it was going to happen in Normandy. Right, because they had already, you said, had some head fakes because because the Allied forces had tried to set up some, like basically give them the false impression of, they, of where they, they were did. In fact, them. in one of the in one of the most um, interesting uh, head fakes that they did, they took a Allied dead soldier with the permission of his family, mm-hmm. who was actually the soldier was actually awarded, uh, uh, even though he was deceased, a medal. He, uh, they took his body and they put fake orders, uh, really? in in his in his jacket and and dumped the body close to the shore in southern France. And the Germans actually did discover the body, and the Allies, were, because they had broken the German code, were able to know they did that. So they and that that talked about an invasion farther north, and that's another reason why the wow. Germans. So the Germans were caught. By surprise, right, and that's another reason why, they, even though it was very tough going, the weather wasn't tremendously cooperative as we just talked about. There wasn't air cover; uh, it was hard to get on the beaches. But it gave enough time, enough time of at least half a day before the Germans were able to move up their equipment to secure that beachhead. Uh, without the element of surprise, it's possible that the Allied invasion force might have been thrown back into the sea. And uh, the liberation of Europe might have taken another year or more. And for uh, James Stagg, too, he was really putting a lot on his shoulders. Absolutely. He was the main the lead forecaster, uh, weather forecaster for the British. Uh, he did. He was the one that made the call. Right. Uh, and Eisenhower uh, accepted that based on the information he had. And again, uh, it, it is uh, interesting how... History often turns on the decision of one or two people. And right. in this case, Stagg and Eisenhower. Stagg and Eisenhower and the fact that that weather forecast gave a window that no one else saw. A very exactly. small window, too. Like very It was like window. no time to delay. Jump right in. We have to do this now. That's And as you just jumped into this, Annie, that's exactly <laughs> right. Uh, correct. It was. It's exactly correct. It was, uh, you know, 12, 18-hour period when the weather calm down enough to get that on and get those troops onto the onto the uh, onto the beaches and start to move inland uh, well it's an amazing story uh, I think it's always interesting uh, how weather something like this absolutely changes history it absolutely did and you know the decision was made by those folks but it was it was those thousands of troops mm-hmm. that landed the night before uh, paratroopers and landed on the beach and in face of that uh, tremendous fire uh, that, uh, the, you know, there was their, their courage, too, that, that, that liberated the, the continent of Europe and ended the, 
you know, the dark days of Nazi rule. So um, we shouldn't forget that either. Yes, absolutely. We will never forget the sacrifice that they made. And we always appreciate you coming in to give us this historical background. Thanks. I enjoy doing it. An absolutely unbelievable story as to how everything worked out in terms of weather and hard to believe as well how much weather forecasting has changed over the past 75 years. Right. It's absolutely amazing. And if you'd like to find out more about D-Day, you can tune in to the AccuWeather Network, channel 361 on DirecTV and also available on Verizon Fios. Thank you for joining us and we hope to see you right back here next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Be sure to subscribe to AccuWeather's Everything Under the Sun, giving you the stories behind the weather and so much more. New episodes every Thursday. Just search for AccuWeather on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or visit AccuWeather.com slash podcast. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.